So several years ago, my, my wife Maya and I were at a bookstore, and I was grumpy. I, I was grumpy probably because I was hungry, and I was hungry because we had to wait a really long time for a table at a restaurant that was nearby, which is why we were at the bookstore. So Maya called me over to show me a book called Awkward Family Photos. Have you seen this? Uh, I looked at it and I said something like, that is so dumb. I mean, how does something like this even get published? I mean, who's going to want to look at a book of somebody else's families? Apparently, I, I didn't notice that it was on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> so Maya said, yeah, honey, you're right. It's probably not funny anyway. And then she turned around to, uh, to put the book back. And immediately, I realized that I did want to see those photos. Like, I really wanted to see those photos. So now I'm facing the dilemma, the great dilemma. Do I, do I pretend that I have no interest in this book so that I can be right? Or do I swallow my pride and admit that I, I am wrong, actually wrong? I don't know. What, what would you do? Well, I said... I, I don't know, honey, maybe we should look at those photos. <laughs> and she smiled and said, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, um, so we looked and we laughed and we cringed our way through the book, which, which made me less grumpy, which for my wife made having dinner with her husband much more enjoyable, if, if you can imagine. So thank you, awkward families. So leading up to Christmas, uh, if you've been here, we've been looking at Jesus' awkward family history. Uh, for some reason, as we prepare for Jesus' birth, the Gospel of Matthew wants us to notice these wild and dysfunctional family stories. We're supposed to start with God's generous and inclusive promise to Sarah and Abraham to bless all people. All people. But from that point on, the stories soon fall into patterns of fear and injustice that generation after generation bless only a few at the expense of everyone. But then there are these women who enter into and break these dysfunctional family patterns, women like Tamar and Rahab and Jesus' own mother Mary, who pass on new patterns. They are the ones who pass on God's blessings far and wide to all families, all nations, and all people. But what is this supposed to say about this child born in a manger whom we're gathered here tonight to celebrate? Well, our fifth reading tonight is from, from Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 10. And Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I know that school is out, but it seems that Matthew is wanting us to notice a spelling error. Amos with an S is not correct. The actual father of Josiah is Amon with an N. Now, maybe someone got one of those ancestry DNA kits for Christmas, and they discovered, oh, my dad isn't actually my biological father. Or, Matthew got the spelling wrong on purpose, because 
He wants us to notice that Jesus' life will reflect the message of the prophet Amos in the Bible. You'll likely know Amos because the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously quoted him when he said, we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness or equality like a mighty stream. That's Amos. You've heard that before? Hello? (laughs) It's 7 o'clock, it's 7.30, we haven't had our coffee. Through Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and the prophet Amos, Jesus will inherit a prophetic calling to speak truth to power so that all those who are, are oppressed, all those who are ignored and left out will be lifted up and welcomed in. This, according to the Gospel of Matthew, is what Christmas will be about. Now, I know that, that school is out, but just in case we miss the spelling error in Jesus' genealogy, Matthew concludes his family history with some math. How exciting, right? Uh, so there's 14 generations plus 14 generations plus 14 generations, which on the surface seems to mean absolutely nothing. But within the larger biblical story, it means everything. Well, at least it means a lot. Three sets of 14 is equal to six sets of seven, which means that Jesus' birth is the beginning of the seventh set of seven, and in the Bible, seven means a lot. So if we go back to the creation poem or parable at the beginning of the book uh, of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God creates the universe in six days, and then on the seventh day, it's set aside for rest which becomes a weekly pattern that allows people and creation to rest and to heal. That's what the seventh day is about. Then later, the people are told to work the land for six years, but then in the seventh year to set it aside so that the land and the animals and the people can rest and heal and be refreshed. And then after 49 years, which is seven times seven, they are told to sound a trumpet and proclaim a year of liberty for all people, a year when debts are canceled, a year when the land is healed, a year when all slaves are set free. Through multiplication, Matthew is trying to tell us that that this child born in a manger will bring this long-awaited rest healing, and freedom that our world and and us most desperately needs. I mean, how nice would it be to have some of that this Christmas, right? Renu was a a young girl from Bangladesh who was enslaved in Kolkata, India. I I was in Kolkata Kolkata, uh, visiting this organization that works globally to set people free from slavery. And this organization had worked with local authorities to to set Renu and the girls who were with her free from from her slave owners. And and then she was entered into an aftercare program where she had a home to live in that was safe, where she could begin her, her process of healing. The next step, however, was for the legal team to prosecute the slave owners so that this pattern of slavery wouldn't start all over again and, and, and continue endlessly, right? But the legal process could take four to six years, and 
all kinds of things could go wrong. All kinds of things usually went wrong in that amount of time. So after two years, Renu had completed her aftercare program and she, she moved back to Bangladesh. And once this happened, the owners who were on trial began to celebrate. Because once a girl like her returns home, they don't come back to testify. It's too dangerous. It's too costly. It's too far. In fact, while she was in Bangladesh, she was illegally offered 2,000 U.S. dollars to ensure that she didn't return, which is more money than someone like her could ever imagine. In fact, she was probably enslaved over a debt that was maybe a couple dollars. So Sam, the lawyer who was, was on this case, and he was, who was telling us the story, paused, and then he smiled, and he said, you should see, you should have seen the look of shock on their faces when Renu courageously returned from Bangladesh and walked back into that courtroom. As if he were preaching, Sam finished telling us this story by saying, she testified, they were found guilty, and justice came down like filtered water and righteousness like a never-ending stream. And I immediately looked around, wondering if I was the only word who heard him say, filtered water? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the filtered water wasn't a part of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. But gradually, I began to realize that for so many people in that city specifically, and for so many people around the world, clean drinking water is something incredible. I mean, incredible. It isn't taken for granted because filtered water is refreshing, it is healing, and it is life-giving. It's water that quenches our thirst just like, like a healing form of justice that lifts up those who are hurting, oppressed, and ignored. It's water that cleans and makes new, just like the kind of equality that welcomes in and blesses all people. Refreshing, like a child born in a manger who will embody God's generous and inclusive love. It's good timing. <laughs> Refreshing, like a child full of life. Refreshing like a child who will come to bring freedom and healing and rest to us and to our world. This, according to the Gospel of Matthew, is what Christmas is all about. This is what Christmas is all about. So gracious God, on this Christmas, may we and our world get caught up in your refreshing healing, and liberating movement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.